Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. Me talking, I am not at all opposed to something you don't understand or something you want clarification. Something of that nature, just throwing a hand up and say, hey, I got a question, I got a comment. I am not opposed to that whatsoever. That's uh, We've been doing our live class on Sunday. This is going to kind of sort of take the place of that. Um, I do hope and plan that we're going to be able to, before this is over, we're going to be let the, the older kids go into another room or get the middle room cleaned out down there. And uh, we may be in the, the setting down there to where I would be cool with you having a coffee or a drink or something like that. I'd be totally fine with that. I don't like that up here in the sanctuary. But I would be totally cool with that down there. And um, that's kind of what, we're, what I'm shooting for. But um, we're not there yet. And I'm all, all right with water in the sanctuary and, and such. But anyway, let's read these scriptures. You do not have to stand unless you just want to. Uh, this is kind of, a, I want this to be more of a kind of relaxed setting. Most of us that know anything about church, you probably can quote this first scripture with me. Acts 2.38. Anybody ever heard of that one? No doubt you have. And we probably could quote it. But we get so hung on Acts 2.38, we forget that there's a 39 through 47. And 39 through 47 is just as important as Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far off, and even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify, this is Peter, the one talking here, and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That is a revival. 3,000 souls. There's been many men that have seen more than 3,000 get, get the Holy Ghost in one service. And I would love to see that someday in my life. But 42. This is where it really gets important. And we're going to be the basis of what I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks on these uh, midweek classes here. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. Everybody said together. And had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And I love the last part, the very last verse here. And the Lord added. Everybody say the Lord added. How did he add to the, How did he add? He added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's powerful. Thank you for those staying. You can you can see it. We've done prayed. I'm not going to go into prayer again. But um, I'm going to ask this question today. Again, I, I don't care for this at all to be kind of interactive with me. 
uh, what do you think of when you what do you when you think of the church what do you think about ponder that in your mind if you want to say something out that's fine but um, when you think of the church what do you think about huh miracles anybody else find your calling um Holy life, people that set apart for the Lord. That's a good one. What? We together. Unfortunately, some people probably think about having to drag themselves out of the bed on Sundays. <laughs> After a hard day of work, getting ready and coming to church for midweek, taking a bath, getting dressed up in uncomfortable clothes, and that's one reason we're doing a casual setting here for Thursday night. Maybe some think about people who act one way on Sunday, but then they act another way all for the rest of the week. Unfortunately, because of this, I think a lot of people view church people as just a bunch of hypocrites. Um, maybe some may think of it as a place where we see friends that you haven't seen all week. And no doubt, that's, that's great. I like what you guys have said a lot better. Miracles holy living, find your calling, you know, a place that we can gather. But no doubt there's a lot of things, both positive and negative, that people think about when they think about the church. And hopefully when you or others think about Harvest House, the thoughts are nothing but positive. In the verses tonight, and especially Acts 42 through 47, it talks about how the first church operated. The Bible tells us the first church devoted themselves, number one, to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, and a prayer. It lets us know that that's what they've done. And Sister Chassie said, there's a lot of miracles that happened in the church. We see that in verse 43. Uh, verse 45 lets us know that they sold things so they could help other people in need. Absolutely. It's ex That's exactly what I think verse 45 says here. They, they sowed things that they had so they helped others in need. And 46 lets us know, they, as Texas said, they met in the temple and also in each other's homes to pray, they learn, and something we all like, they eat together. <laughs> that, that happens a lot. It's time of fellowship. But here's the key verse there with it is, and the Lord added daily to the church in verse 47. And... Sister Hilda made that comment, the hope that the closer we get to the, you know, tribulation, we're talking about 
the end time tribulation before church being her, her and I was. And, uh, but we think about those things that's just happened. Is there a church today that has all this happening that you can think about? I'll be honest with you, there's very few. There are some churches that I follow, I, I keep up their podcasts, and from a distance to hear them talk, to listen to their sermons and see Facebook posts and social media posts, it would seem like they may have more of that going on of this Book of Acts thing. But perhaps here is the best question today concerning this because I'm happy if a brother Aaron Bounds and, and Zanesville, Ohio's got some things going on and, and uh, some other churches, brother Myers in Palm Beach, Florida and different places. But here, here's the question. Does Horace House look like this? This is our church. And if Harvest House is not, then why not? And there's this battle in my mind about what this church, what, and let me just say this up front right now. Over the next six, seven weeks, I am not your friend. <laughs> I am going to be your pastor. I want to be your pastor because I want to make sure we make heaven our home. I know not everybody's here that typically would be here on Thursdays. A few that's not here. Um, and hopefully they'll listen to a podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to be as honest as I can to try to get this church, all of us together, to this place we really need to be because this battle in my mind about what this church, Harvest House, what, what, really, what really is it? What does our church really do? Do we have what it takes to be a Book of Acts church? Because what I'm going to talk about over these next few weeks is I want to talk about what does an apostolic church look like. Um, I came out of a red-hot, rocking church, and they still got it going on pretty good, Star Bethlehem. And... Um, I want to see that here in Marion. We've been here 16 years, and um, I believe there's so much more that God has for us. And the question is, do we have what it takes? Or maybe the better question is, do we want to see the promised revival in this church and in this area? And here's the truth of the matter. In the end... We will think what we want about Harvest House or any other church. But what does God think about Harvest House and this assembly? So, let's look at Acts 2.44 if you still have your um, Bible, device, whatever kind of open. And um, I want to read this again and I want to kind of read this together. Because, Sister Hilda, you said something that, that just kind of goes along with where I'm heading tonight. Um, Verse 44 of Acts 2 said, And all that believed were together and had all things common. If you've got your Bible or your device or just mouth it best you can, but with, let's say that together. And all that believed were, let's say this, together. Say that with me, together. And, they, and all had things common. When God thinks about the church, I think he thinks about this verse. If we look at it again, all believers, all, all together, had everything in common. 
Now, here's the thing. We're all raised different. We all come from different places and different flavors of life. For me, example, I came from a, um, a good, stable Christian home. My mom and dad was not divorced, although I did lose my dad at an early age from a hunting accident. And although my mom died with Alzheimer's, there was never a doubt in my mind that my mom loved me and didn't have that broken home raised in church. And Brother Texas has come from a broken home. I know some of you come from broken homes and maybe um, been marriages that didn't work out or just different circumstances. Okay, All from different places. So we think about coming in and having everything in common. Sometimes it's hard to find that common ground. But in order for us to take, I think, the church to the level that God wants us to go, somehow we're going to have to find a way to come together. And uh, Sister Cheryl had a good revelation, I believe, of what unity is really about. And this is what it takes to come together. We've got to have a, some type of common ground that we find unity in our life. Because um, if we don't find unity, then we can't be together. Because if uh, there was a powerful uh, illustration given, when I, have, uh, I had some kids up here, I'd use it. But if I took a chair and I set it out here, and uh, I had four kids grab each leg of that chair, and I'd tell them, go put it in a corner. I didn't tell them what corner. And I just said, go put the chair in a corner. And they would take off. Chances are, one would go this way, one would go that way, one would go this way, one, and they would probably just try to pull that chair apart. So they had, would have no unity, no togetherness with it. But if they were instructed, and I said, I want you all to take that chair and go to that corner. Well, they could go this way, they could go that way, and they could go that way. But if they agreed with one another and said, okay, let's go down the middle aisle and let's go that way, and they come together, even though one wanted to go this way and one wanted to go this way, if they came together with unity and realized, okay, we've got a purpose, we've got to get that chair to that corner, let's get it there. Even it took, if they decided they want to climb across the pews, long as they've done it together, they can accomplish it. So, I believe that God designed the church to be a community of people working together. All right? Together. Everybody say that. Together. One translation of this verse says this. All believers were in wonderful harmony. Now, not everybody is blessed to be a great singer. And some people are blessed to be great singers, and we can't get them to sing sometimes. It's a looking at. But, anybody know what harmony is? Anybody? Tell me what harmony is. Anybody? Harmony in a song is when two voices blend themselves together to where they sound just really, really good together. I can promise you, you may not know what harmony is, but when you get two people singing together and they don't have no harmony, you'll know what harmony isn't. Right? No doubt you've heard a couple people singing together and you think, they just don't sound good together. 
that's not harmony. But when you got two voices that blend together, that is what's called harmony. Harmony cannot happen with one voice. Okay? Got to catch that. It cannot happen with one voice. It takes at least two voices. But some of the best harmonies is said to come when you blend three voices together. And some would say that that three-part harmony is just very basic, but it's extremely complete. And the three parts that is best blended beautifully together is the best parts of, uh, of when you have parts, what they call parts of song. Now, I'm not very good at this. I'm actually, I'm using some, uh, I'm using some cliff notes. I'm going to tell you now, some of this stuff I'm saying is not all mine original. I prayed, I've sought God about these few weeks. We've been planning this for a while, of what direction to go, and I've just settled in. I feel like this is the direction we need to go, but this is where we have to start. We have to come together. Because I'm be honest with you, I can go from here, and I can start teaching us, talking about how, uh, you know, they, the book of Acts, what they've done, how they, uh, they set up people to take care of the widows and they set up people to do this and, and, and their apostolic authority and all the different things they've done. And this is some of the stuff we'll talk about as we go through talking about what the apostolic church looks like. But if we can't get together at first, it don't matter. It doesn't matter what I say. If we can't come together in some kind of harmony, it doesn't matter. It won't hold together. Because here's the thing. If you've got this person that can sing beautiful by themselves and this person who can sing beautiful by themselves but yet they can't learn to sing harmony together they're not ever going to have the beautiful blend that they need together is that making sense so this is kind of where i'm at so with that said again i'm taking some stuff from a guy the name of danny davis he is a pastor um, that pastors in uh, turning point community church i think it's in texas but uh Anyway, he had this little part in there, and I thought it was beautiful. I'm going to share it with us. There's three parts of a song of singing that's very important. It's what they call soprano, an alto, and the tenor. And they say when you get these three parts perfectly combined together, there is just one voice that is almost singing beautifully together. When you get these three voices, this soprano, alto, and tenor, singing the right part in their harmony it's absolutely beautiful now don't, you guys probably know you've, you've heard some people that's got together and they sing when they sing it's just like wow just their, their voices go beautiful together and um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Brother Larry Hamby out of uh, Bremen, Kentucky beautiful incredible voice he's got two sons that sing incredible too and I love to listen to him sing and one day I was listening to one of his uh, tapes and he was singing Actually, it was his son singing. Then all of a sudden, here come Brother Hambian singing. Here come the other one. I'm like, just sitting there thinking, wow. Their voices just came together and blended together. It almost sounded like one voice together. And this is what I'm talking about. So what I'm hoping for us over the next several weeks, we want to talk about this Book of Acts church, which is the original church operated. It operated in harmony. And what it done it turned their world upside down. How did they turn the world upside down? With the gospel. What gospel? The same gospel that Jesus told Peter. Does anybody know what Jesus told Peter in the book of Matthew chapter 18? 
just throw it out here. He looked at Peter. He said, Peter, or he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, some say this, some say that, but who do you say I am? Peter answered and replied, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe it's Matthew 18, 20, if not mistaken. Matthew 18, the exact verse, I don't know. And he looked at Peter and said, Peter, you're right. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, a lot of people think that Jesus was talking to Peter about upon this rock because Peter, his other name, Simon, means Petra, it means rock. But I personally think when he said upon this rock, I think he was pointing to himself because Jesus is the key cornerstone. He is the rock. He is the foundation. I believe, Sister Hilda, he was pointing to himself and saying, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, when Peter stood up at the beginning of my text today, he said, when they said, what must we do to be saved? Peter said, repent. We know the scripture very well. Let's want to spend the gospel. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why we say in the name of Jesus Christ? Because we know that's the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. That's what it was, that's what it was founded on. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, I, let's talk about this. When the church is working in harmony, there is nothing more beautiful and nothing more powerful in the entire world when the church is working where it needs to be working. That means when you've got leadership preaching and teaching, you've got music that's singing and operating in spirit. As Sister Hilda said, we've got people living holy, separated lives. We got Sunday school teachers. We got bus drivers. And then there's so many facets and orders of what we need in the church. We got people that's taking care of nursing homes and people's taking care of, of hospital visits. And we got people because, again, one voice. When we started the church, I was that one voice. Me and my wife and my children was that one voice. And we done everything, okay? We done everything. We we made the hospital runs, we made Visits, we've done the follow-ups, we've done the outreach, we've done everything. We was that one voice, and we operated it for the longest time until we got some more people coming. And then we had some more, and we started having some more facets and different things. Now, over the last two years, through COVID, people dying, we've fought hell. And we've lost people. We've lost momentum. We've lost some stuff. And so we're, this is one reason we got our theme for this year is reset. We're relaunching, and we're trying to, get ourselves sequenced back in where we can relaunch the church back out like God wants it. And it has to go back to that place where um, it's that Book of Acts church. This is what we're looking at. So I, I want you to imagine today that now that first voice, because we're going to talk about some harmonies that need to come together. This first voice that we need to bring harmony to this church, Harvest House, I believe it needs to be together. Everybody say that with me, together. I, uh, I don't know what, again, I don't understand it all. Alto, tenor, and whatever the other one is that I'm, I'm looking at, so I can't even name it all. I don't even know what it is. I don't, even what, I don't even know what part I would sing in a song. I have no idea. I don't know where my voice falls. But for the sake of this and our harmony of the church working together, Let's call this part of the harmony. It's got to be together. We're going to have some doctrine. 
We're going to have some things we got to do. But if we're not together, it won't do no good. So, remember, the Scripture says, all believers were together. That was verse 42, if I'm not mistaken. Now then, I want you to think about this. We're, we think about where we are in this Scripture. They've been talking about it. Acts 2 is the birth of the church at Pentecost. 120 people were filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Just a few verses earlier, as I said earlier in this same chapter that I read to us, Peter preached the first revival in the first church. If you didn't know the church, the first church, the New Testament church, birthed in the book of Acts. Okay? Just a little, a little uh, info for us here today. The Gospels. Anybody know what the Gospels are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's the Gospels. Alright. Acts, it's almost a standalone book by itself. Then you have what's called the Epistles, which it would be from after the book of Acts, always the book of Revelation. So, if we look at this, the book, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tells what Jesus did done for the church. Okay? It tells what Jesus done for the church. The book of Acts tells us how the church was born. How we become the church. Okay? That's the book of Acts. Is that making sense? Because that's the birth of the church. Then the rest of the New Testament is the um, it is the epistles what they call epistles. Most of them have been written by the Apostle Paul. Then we've got other ones that have written it like James and Peter and, and John. But the majority of all the rest of the epistles, Paul wrote. That is how you stay in the church. Okay? So we see the Gospels. That tells what Jesus done for the church. Acts tells us how to be born in the church. And the epistles tells us how to stay in the church. So what we're talking about is how to birth the church. Now somebody says, we've been here 16 years. Why don't we talk about birth from church? Because when I look at our church, I struggle to see us being at the place that God has called us to be as the apostolic church. What I want is to be able, when we come in here, when we walk out of this church, that people feel like, I have been to church. And if you'll be honest with me, sometimes it's not always like that. Sometimes we feel like we've been to a circus. Sometimes we might feel like we've been to a, a brawl. But I want people to leave to feel like they have been to the church. And I want miracles. I want people to find their calling. I want to see people that is, that is come together holy, realizing I need to live holy and sanctified and set apart. And I want us to, as Brother Texas, we're gathering here. We're coming together. And the key, I think, here is that we come together and when this first revival that Peter preached, thousands of people gathered together. And when Peter finished preaching, many, the Bible said, were cut to their heart. And they said, what are we supposed to do with this? And this is where we find Acts 2.38. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And that day, 3,000 people were added to church. And then just a few verses later, 3,000 become the church. And they begin living this newfound faith that they had in their life. They were listening and they were acting upon the teaching of the apostles. 
Because we said they continued what the apostles taught and preached. Everybody, the Bible says that they were filled with awe and wonder, miracles, signs, all this stuff were happening. And they, these believers and the apostles, they were together. Let's say that again, together. I think this means more than they were in the same place, which was Jerusalem. All right? I think it also tells us that they, they were together in their attitudes. With their attitudes. What is the together, what's the attitude we need for this book of Acts church? It's all about sharing the gospel with this whole entire world. We have got to get together with a passion about what the church is about. We've got kids downstairs that have broken homes. We had our, we had our forum here last week. Some of the questions that these kids asked was heartbreaking and mind-blowing. And they need a church that knows how to have a miracle. They need a church that knows how to teach them how to live holy and separated and come out from among them. They need a church that they can find their calling that's more than a PlayStation, more than the backseat of a car, more than, than what the rest of this world is saying. They need a church that comes together with an attitude that says, let's have a passion for souls. Let's have a passion for the Word of God. And, and the Bible said they were in the same place, but it also said they had everything in common. Let's go back to what I was saying. We, we come from different places, okay? Um, you come from one spot, a different culture, and I come from a different culture. And this is why we've got to find a common ground in the church. You know what our common ground is here? Every one of us was lost. Every one of us, Jesus died on the cross for us and was resurrected and gave us the same opportunity to do exactly this, is to be born again. So it doesn't matter if somebody comes here and says, oh, but I was born a homosexual. Great news. You can be born again. I was born. You just, I had one young kid out here to tell me one time he got mad and I was trying to control him and get him under control and he said, uh, I don't remember what I actually do. I remember the last name I'm going to call it at the moment. But it said, that's just how we are. We just get mad. That's how my daddy was. We just get mad. I got good news for you. You can be born again. And what that means is if we can get passionate about letting people know this, this common ground. Look, hey, man, I was the same place you were. I, I, your story is going to be different from mine. This is my story. Hey, I, you know what? I was raised in the church. But I was the hypocrite. I was that person we was talking about. I lived one way in church. And then I was a hypocrite the rest of the week. I'd go cuss and carry on and do whatever through school. Even to the point where people say, well, I thought she was a Christian, you know. Some of you heard, my, heard me tell that story. And don't even ask Sister Chassie about the hayride. <laughs> I wanted to add that in there for you in case, okay. But I'm thankful that there's blood that covers things like that. And there's being born again. And I might remember the hayride. Sister Chassie might remember the hayride. But Jesus don't remember the hayride. It's gone. And I can look at these people and let them know, look, I was a hypocrite. I was born in the church and I, I wasted my opportunities living for God. But guess what? I was born again. Now, if you was an alcoholic, here's our common ground. Yeah, you might not have been raised in church, but here's your common ground. You can say, look, I was an alcoholic, but Jesus saved me. I was born again. And now then I'm in the church. I'm in the church with a guy who never sinned. 
And I have sin, but look here where I am. That's our common ground. And this is where we've got to realize our common ground is not our background. Our common ground is where Jesus has got us now. And this is where these people come together. Because you look at 3,000 people that got the Holy Ghost that day. They were together not on where they were, but where God had them there. And, and, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done in your life. Jesus can save anybody. And there's a terminology people use all the time. There's no way God can save them. That's the ones God really wants to save. That's the one God really wants. And this is our common ground. And I believe this is where they had everything in common. They came down to the place and they realized, well, yes, Matthew, you may have come from this. Peter, you're just an old stinky fisherman. Alright? And we go, we go through all the different disciples and we see how different they were. But they found the common ground that Jesus found them where they were and started them afresh and anew. And this is the common ground we got to realize. These kids down here, they're a mess. So, so are some of us. But these people come together. And what do they begin to do? They begin witnessing and they begin a movement that would bring the entire Roman Empire down. Okay? I was thinking about this today. and Marion is in need of water. They drained the lake for whatever reasons. It doesn't matter now. They have an empty lake that was a reservoir. This ought to be the church can say, you know what? We're going to pray and God's going to fill that lake up tonight. I've heard the testimonies. They filled up wells overnight. What's the difference of filling a well up versus a how many acre lake? A lot of acre lake. God can do it. If we have unity and we come together and we can change the face of this city. We can change this entire area. Why would it... What? These people, they come together, not only physically, but they came together spiritually. And this is what I'm talking about. If for our church become this Book of Acts church, this church that everybody wants to come to, everybody wants to be a part of, we've got to find this common ground. And, Sister Chastity, we're not going to find common ground on the background, all right? We're just not. I know you, you didn't have your dad in your life. I don't, you lost him in your relationship with your parent. Your mom, it's the same as mine. We're not going to find common ground there. I'm not going to understand you. You're not going to understand me. Sister Lisa, same with me and you, you know. You've been in different places. We're not going to find common ground there. Even me in Texas. I mean, I lost my mom to early age, but he lost his, my dad to early age, lost his mom and his sister. We're not going to find common ground there. But we can find common ground that Jesus saved us. He brought us out of sin, not to sit on our seat and do nothing, but to reach this dying lost world with a gospel that will change their lives. And it's changed our lives. And that's not changed our lives to where it ought to be, but God's ideal of the church is a community of believers who are working together with a common purpose, and that goal is to reach the dying lost world that needs Jesus. And we've got to work together for a purpose. We've got to work together 
so that we see each other blessed in such a way that, that God can do great things. Working together to tell the city about Jesus. Like, like a family is supposed to be. And I know the, the family is so skewed and so messed up now. But if you go back several years ago, I guess we'd have to go 30, 40, or 50 years ago. The, the, the family, it's just like the church is supposed to be. And they, they pray together. Worship together. Encourage. Love together. Build together. This is what the church is supposed to be. Weep together. Laugh together. Why? Because together we are better and stronger than when we are apart. We're better and stronger together than when we are apart. There's Absolutely. And, and you know what? Well, you, you're actually on your own point with exactly where I am in my study with this. You've been on point with this today pretty good here. So, but it, the, actually, my, my next thing I got here where I'm at is we, we need each other and the world needs us to be together. But, and I have this question. And I know a lot of people might be saying, Pastor, that sounds good, but where do I fit in? That's my very next line I was fixing to say within my, my lesson right here. Um, a lot of people say I'm not an apostle I'm not a preacher so how do I help keep the church together absolutely and, and then here here was my next, next question that I was going to ask the congregation that's here today um, I was going to turn this around as, where are you at today I know we're in this building but what I mean is, where do you see yourself fitting in to the church? Which voice do you want to be in this three-part harmony? It has to come together. Not every, I mean, you talk about it, not everybody's going to be a pastor. Not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be a song leader. Not everybody's going to be a musician. And we, we always, um, we've always reached out to so many children. And what would Harvest House, those of us who know Harvest House, what would it look like if we had no church children in attendance? I'm going to tell you, during COVID, we've seen what it looks like 
to not have any children. I don't like it. We have some here tonight. Um, I'm going to tell you, I don't like it. These kids, they help us as a church to see the world totally different. Can see where we can fit in in the church, what things we need to do. They'll keep us together because in them, we can see what our future looks like or could look like. Sister Cheryl come in the office back there a while ago and she was telling me about one of the young ladies trying to get one of the other young ladies to go pray before service. And that's powerful. And, um, and we've got to come together. And you're saying, what, you know, Sister Hilda just said that. Where do you see yourself? That's the question. You don't have to answer it audibly to me. But you can sit, sit here and think, what can I do to help Harvest House look like the Book of Acts Church? And I, I don't... Um, it is my desire to see an alive, thriving, life-changing Book of Acts Church in Marion, Kentucky. Can, can you imagine, just as you would see with some of the, the old kids' shows, that they put your thinking cap on. Maybe you have a, a, a teacher that used to tell you, put your thinking cap on. Put your, put your thinking cap on, on right now. And I want you, if you could imagine what kind of impact we could have on Marion, Crittenden County, even Western Kentucky, if we could become like the church we read in the book of Acts. Imagine a church that works together like they did in the book of Acts in everything. Where we find that common ground. We find our purpose. We find, because, you know, and some might step back and say, well, I don't know what my part in the church is. Well, if you're not sure what your part in the church is, there is a part that every church member has to do, and that's pray. And that's, that's to be a, also to be a part of the church. It's hard to be together when you're not there. That's a very key, important part. And if we could picture a church where members were so concerned about the needs of others, they were willing to sell something so that the one hurting could be helped. This is what they've done in the book of Acts. That's what I read earlier. Some went and sold stuff. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to go out sell your stuff right now that you can help somebody else. I'm not telling you to do that by no means, all right? But I'm just saying, what would happen if we could have this kind of togetherness to where we we're so together, we're so knit together as a body when somebody's hurting, we know they're hurting. When somebody's in need, when you think of our actual physical body, if I smash this finger, Anybody ever smashed their finger like that? Does just your finger hurt? Generally, my whole body recoils. We was walking out the deck yesterday, the day before yesterday, I think it was, and, and I don't know how it even happened. Sister Cheryl had her hand stuck up, and as Jake had come out, he shut the door and shut her finger in the door. Sister Michelle, she didn't go, oh, she was like, the whole body, you know, just... The whole body. And I, I, and I was almost there with her. Like, oh, I know that hurts. But if, if somebody's hurting, if we're so together in such harmony, we can feel 
somebody else hurting. We can feel their pain. And I think this is something the devil has tried his best with the church in a whole through COVID is to get us not together, separated. But our church specifically, hell has hit us with so many different things. I mean, we see deaths, we see tragedies, we've seen heartaches, we've seen... If we could visualize a community where believers are so sold out to the Word of God and willing to let it rule every part of their daily life. This is the kind of together I'm talking about. When we look at the Word of God, we're so ruled by the Word of God. This is not... I'm not going to do that. I'm going to check on that. I won't go there. I don't want to go there. This is what I want. I, I want us to see to be such a church that that everybody wants to be a part of it. Okay. Um, let your mind see the photo of a church working together to make a difference in the lives of the poor. And we don't have too many homeless here. We've, we've come across a few, but we've got a lot of orphan and abandoned kids, don't we? What a church making a difference in these kids, these kids we got downstairs, their lives. We are making a difference in their lives, but what more can we do for them? Here, they need us. Picture a community of people working together to reach out to those who have never heard the gospel. You can't fathom somebody in Marion, Kentucky who's never heard the gospel. But I bet you there's a lot of people in Marion, Kentucky that do, do not realize there is a correct way to be baptized. There is a correct way to be baptized. There is a right way to live and a right, wrong way to live. And when God sees the church, I believe He wants to see the picture of a community that is working and as I'm starting this, this thing with our, our, our midweek thing, I'm starting on this, this basis to, to let that vision sink into our spirit and let us have the vision that, that that to be Harvest House. When you picture, where are you at in that picture? You, we have to envision ourselves somewhere in the middle of that. If not, we won't be a part of it. We won't, we won't feel like we're part of it. Are you, shut your eyes with me. Are you in that photo helping, serving, reaching, and caring? Or are you not in the picture at all? If not, why are we not in it? I'm going to ask for commitment today. I believe God wants a book of Acts Church in this city and God needs our help with it. He wants us to be together. So I'm asking us to commit ourselves to this local church like we have never before. I'm asking you not to wait. I'm, I'm going to be taking a walk through the book of Acts through these weeks teaching us about what that first book of Acts Church looked like and how we need to somehow have some type of simulation where we look like that first book of Acts church that we can see the revival that God wants in this city. 
So don't wait for me to bring out all the fancy points or not fancy, whatever I'm going to bring out. Don't wait for me to do that. You get the book of Acts and open it up and begin to read it and study it for yourself so you can see where you can fit in. Because within there, within those pages, there is purpose. You'll see how they started that first church, how it went, because it didn't stop at 3,000. The next revival was 5,000. And before it was over, they were saving entire cities, areas. And I believe that's what God has called us to do in this city. I believe this church right here, this building right here, no, not this building. I believe God wants to eventually be away from this building, but this city, this, this foundation church to be the mother church of multiple, multiple churches across this area. And it can't happen with five or six of us carrying the load. And I think God wants that change. And I think if we don't do something to bring that change, I want to say this very plain and simple. God will change it. I think He will. And whatever way He has to, He will change it. So I'm asking for us to commit. Now I know this may sound hard. I'm asking us to commit to come to every church service during the summer schedule. If you can't come, at least be accountable. Let somebody know what's going on. Just a few of us can't do this alone, but we can do it together. We can do it together. The Lord lays on my heart something. Sister Hill was talking about what's our, what, what can we do. He may lay it on my heart to come to you and say, hey, can you do this? But if we can come together in such a way, ah, if this hand is trying to pick something up, this hand is naturally, when it looks like it can't handle it, it'll come over and reach and grab it and they'll pull it up. So let's come together where we can get so in tune together that we can see where God wants us in this picture. Okay? And I believe this, this is why I started off with this. It ha we have to come together. We have to come together. And let me, let me read this once again. I'm, I'll be done here today. Um, Acts 2, 38 through 47 once again. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for mission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises of you and your children, all that are far off, even as many of the Lord our God shall call. That's our famous ones. That's the one we love so much. But here's the rest of it. Acts 2.38 didn't, didn't change the world. Okay? It did, but it didn't, if that makes sense. The, the gospel, the message did, but it took the rest of this. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. We can preach to return blue in the face, but somebody's got to receive it. Somebody's got to obey it. In this case, it was be baptized. In this case, case that I'm talking about here today. It says to receive it. Let's go into action. And the same day we're adding to them about 3,000 souls. And then what did they do? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. They continued in this. So let's come together. Let's continue in it. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done in the apostles. And all that believed were together. Everybody say that again. Together. Everybody say that with me. Together. 
and had all things common. They sold possessions, goods, parted them with all men, as many every man had need, and they continually daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread, house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So we see here they come together. So I'm over the next few weeks we're gonna we're gonna talk about what this book of Acts church looked like. We're gonna strive to become that together. That is my whole purpose. That's my whole goal. I'm going to be honest with you. During this time, I'm going to try my best. I'm just going to be pastor, okay? I'm just going to be pastor. And I'm going to just tell us, this is what we got to do. Or not what we got to do. This is what the Bible says we got to do, right? It's, it's not me. It don't do no good if I'm saying it, but the Bible says that we should do it. And, um, so, this is kind of my introduction to this. It's what does an apostolic church look like? When I got done, when I get done, I want us to look like an apostolic church. I know it won't. It's not going to happen overnight. But this is the whole purpose. Of what I'm talking about. I want us to when we walk out of here. I want us to feel like our souls have been fed. I want us to feel like we have been spiritually awakened. Spiritually, something inside of us is. It's changed, and we walk out this door, and before you hit the parking lot, you're texting, or you're getting on Facebook and saying, I love my church. I can't wait to go back to church next Sunday. I can't wait to be back in church. And everything that comes across our page, you're sharing it. You're letting other people know, hey, come to my church. I love our church. I love our church. I love our church. That's my go. And not just the fact that for whatever fancy whatever we're doing but the fact that God is changing lives and we're going to do it together Lord help us today Lord we ask you to help us come together in one mind and one accord just like they did at the beginning of Acts God in the book of